Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ed Slinger, and with I'm me as always Trevor Scott. is Trevor Scott. <laughs> um, you like how <laughs> you never do that. You never do it that way. I know. Um, I thought I'd really, be a bit different just to try and you put me right off my game. <laughs> <laughs> you just threw me off my rhythm. You're Trevor Scott, <laughs> and how's it going, Trevor Scott? Uh, I'm feeling all right. <laughs> a bit tired. A bit tired after this weekend? Yes. So, those who are regular listeners will know that we just did the Global Game Jam at AIE in Melbourne. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we came up with a little game, and we will do a post-mortem, uh, which will probably actually come out before this episode. So, go check... <laughs> A hundred and eleven point five, or something like that, uh, <laughs> for our game Ghost Home. A little bit of postmortem on that. Uh, but until then, this week, I think we will just continue with some click pitch as per usual. Trevor, do you want to let the listeners know what click pitch is? Yeah, and I shall do it not in song like we did in our in our warm up. <laughs> Come on. No, it's okay. No. Uh, we each have a random word generator. On the count of three, two, one, we're going to click refresh, take those words, mash them together, come up with a game idea. Then when it doesn't work, we throw it away and do it all again. Yeah. So let's do it. Three, two, one, click. Motion. Hmm. Tennis. So it's a VR game. Oh, VR. Motion okay. controller. Oh, Okay. Um, I was going somewhere else with that, but that's all right. You, you, you pitch your idea first. Okay. I'm thinking that it's actually, rather than being like a typical tennis game, um, it's actually like an infinite runner where you're a tennis professional taking out enemies with like <laughs> tennis racket and- With your tennis racket. And basically throwing the ball up and whacking it at enemies. I reckon that would actually be a pretty cool- um, all right. Pretty cool. Uh, how about runner this game. though? Well, infinite well, runner, cool, but w- infinite gameplay. You know, multiple yeah. tiles keep going on forever. Well, so is your tennis player moving forward constantly? Um, that could add to the add to the um difficulty a little bit that they're continually what, on like what a else conveyor kind belt. Of, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I <laughs> no, I was literally <laughs> thinking that. Uh, that you're, that it is an infinite runner. You are running, but tennis balls are also coming down for some reason. And you have to like hit it at the right time to maybe like forehand it or backhand it to hit the enemies that are in different positions or something. Uh, so that you kind of got a bit of strategy around which direction and the, and then a timing aspect as well. Um, so, I, I don't know, what is this tennis player running from or to? <laughs> what is I, he attacking? I, I kind of like the idea that it's on a conveyor belt rather than running because you know how bad it is if they take on the take over the motion of you physically moving compared to you sort of sitting in a... Um, oh, sorry, like I was taking it away from... I was taking it away from VR. I'm still um, going VR because that would right, be so you're cool still being in able VR. to actually aim at people. If it's a tennis game, okay. I want to be able to aim a little bit better than, you know, the typical. 
Right. All right. All right. So we'll, we'll, okay, we'll stick with that idea. We'll stick with that idea then. So it's actual motion controls. Well, okay. He, how about this then? Because this is sort of my other idea, and this could work in VR. Um, you are playing tennis. You're stationary, or at least maybe room scale, but you're playing tennis on the back of a big like truck. And so part of the thing is that other trucks are like pulling up next to you and they've got other enemies or other tennis players on there and you're like rallying back and forth one direction and then it's, there's a, an alert that like there's someone else behind you. You've got to rally back and forth with them for a while and like get a point. Um, okay. All the while there's maybe other enemies attacking you that you can also like hit the, ta- hit the ball to. So the reason why you got to rally with them is because what yep. you're actually hitting are grenades. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so there's a reason as to why why you got to actually rally, and if you don't, then you've got to quickly pick up the um pick up the grenade and you know lob and it back it. across, lob it back over. Um, uh, yeah, I like that. I like that. I think there's that still could be tennis really cool. balls, but um, you don't know how many um how many seconds you've got on each grenade. I think it's a um something that randomly sort of changes between three and five seconds. Yeah. So, like, you just got to hit them as fast as possible if they if you miss them. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. I, I like the idea of a tennis game. Particularly if, if, yeah, it is that they're coming up behind you or in front of you. And so, and I mean, you probably need some sort of a, a heads up or, or something to, to know that they're going to be behind you. But um, having to sort of spin back and forth and <laughs> whack the grenades back over. <laughs> That's cool. I, l- I love the idea that if you if you're like a really um, accurate sort of player, you can sort of lob the grenade into the open window of the driver, and they just yeah. <laughs> like they start going out of control, and then the whole thing just explodes and Definitely. takes everyone out. Yeah, I'm almost I'm almost getting like a time crisis vibe, right? Where it's sort of uh, an on rails shooter in a way, but all you've got is a contenders racket. Yeah. <laughs> I really yeah, don't. I, like I don't know why. Um, going going to real games now. I don't know why someone hasn't come up with like a time crisis style game for VR. Yeah, I know. With the ducking and stuff, like with the well, getting just, out of the way. Just even it doesn't matter shooting. if it's on rails. Like it's it's yeah. one of those things that it almost feels like it'd be perfect to actually be one of those um, things where people keep on coming out. And you got to shoot them and all that sort of stuff. It would actually be awesome. Yeah, that's true. Like, there aren't many just rail shooter. There aren't, many, there aren't that many just. Well, I guess there are shooting games. It's like uh, Arizona, what sunshine and that sort of thing. But yeah. and yeah, um, oh, what's that space one? Um, space pirate from other suns. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that's pretty cool. But yeah, yeah I'd I'd like a story game, kind of like a time crisis where. You know, you've got different sort of things that you're sort of destroying. Like, you get the helicopter level where it's sort of shooting down at you and you're sort of having to duck out of the yeah. way of everyone. That, yeah. That yeah, actually be sure. really cool. <clears throat> Someone make that. <laughs> Three to one click. Yes. Yes. Measuring. Scarf. Ooh. Okay. I like the idea of... Of some sort of constantly growing scarf. It could be a la, a la journey. The scarf has some sort of gameplay um, mechanic. It's a representation of a mechanic in the game. Okay. 
I'm getting this picture of this um, sort of like 3D platformer mm-hmm. where um, your health is gauged by how long your um, your scarf is. Yep. But um, a lot of a lot of the enemy attacks are, are all about trying to take out your scarf, and it's sort of I like the idea that your scarf is like trailing behind you, a la like the game Snake. Um, you know mm-hmm. how you know you okay, got to be so very it's careful. Not, it's not necessarily that that the scarf represents your health. It's that if your scarf gets cut, you have less health. <laughs> yes. Um, so it's more it's more the uh, embodiment of your health. So in Going with the whole whole idea of, um, you know, regenerating health. In mm. your backpack, you've got a little gnome that is knitting <laughs> a scarf continuously. So, um, you get health from picking up more um, balls of yarn and putting it in your backpack. And then that just- Then it- um, Then your gnome has more time to actually, you know, knit- Knit the health back together. Now it knits, Ooh, this, it knits pretty this could, fast. This could be a Bubsy sequel. It could be, but actually, he's, good, al- he's always the previous one. Um, he's always collecting yarn, so we could keep that going and actually have a reason for him to do it this time. Yeah. What I what I like about it though is the longer the scarf is, the easier it is for people to attack it. So it's it's sort of like a, a risk reward thing <laughs> of keeping your um keeping your your scarf you know at a reasonable All length right. because the longer it is as you're running like people can step on it and stop you from from sort of being able to go too far <laughs> well i was also thinking that you could have a move where you like spin on the spot and it wraps the scarf around you which obviously keeps it free from enemies but also that makes it he- you heavier then you can't jump as high well, I was thinking then it's actually kind of dangerous, a la, you know, Empire Strikes Back, that you could actually wrap it around your legs a couple of times and then you go to take a step and you fall. <laughs> <laughs> well, how physically accurate are we getting with this scarf? <laughs> I'm thinking from a mechanic, a mechanical point of view that, yeah, like having to protect the scarf through particular moves, like uh, the risk reward of letting it get long and dangle behind you versus wrapping yourself up in it, and maybe you can, you know, only wrap yourself up in half of it or something, and that literally is sort of in between. Um, but also, yeah, like having to choose because you could have like parts of the level where there's like big fucking shredders or something, and you, if you get the scarf caught in the shredder, it just starts pulling you in. <laughs> um, Maybe you've got a move where you can cut your scarf, which will save you from something that might have grabbed onto it, but will also leave you with very little health. Jeez. That's I crazy. There's some, I think there's some cool stuff there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, let's get a little bit deeper. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. What I like is the fact that your whole, um, your whole thing is that this gnome is part of, like, an ancient civilization- and you're trying to trying to save him by getting him back back home. So you're going through sure, like these- sounds like something Bubsy would do. Yeah. Um, going through all these different different sort of places. I'm, I'm picturing the sort of enemies. Uh, some have big scissors. Um, yep. Some just you know want to step on the scarf so that you know it gets all all soiled and all this sort of stuff. You got to be very careful about taking it through mud because that. That can actually um, sort of sully your health a little bit. So it's all about well, protecting the it, scarf. Yeah, okay. It could make it um, if your if your scarf is 
dirtied or or gets a bit ragged, then basically that's that it will take more damage. Like if you actually take a hit, then more of the scarf will fall off than if it was pristine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and look, and they don't. I don't think it all has to be like cutting based enemies. I think you can just do some more traditional enemies that if you or your scarf get hit, like some of your scarf falls off uh, and just have it as a more traditional measure of your health like that. Mm. Um, although, I guess yeah, I don't know. Is it... What happens if you get hit and not your scarf? What happens if Bubsy gets hit and not his giant scarf? <laughs> you bleed and then you bleed onto the onto the scarf, soiling it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you lose your health. Well, I'm just wondering again, though, like from from a strategic point of view, it could be that the scarf is sort of a shield in, in ways. Like maybe Bubsy is quite fragile. Maybe you can only take one or two direct hits, and so there is a reason for you to do certain things. Where it's like, oh, this is going to be pretty dangerous, so I'll sacrifice some of the scarf because that's going to. Like, you basically use it as a shield, um, and then you have to pick up more wool to, to you know, regenerate it or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, what I like is yeah. later on in the game, you can actually have um, the scarf become, like, a, a weapon as well. Like, you tie something to the end of it, and you get it sort of swinging and, and you know, do those those cool, like, um, rope tricks that... Yeah, some people yeah. sort of get happening, and you know, being able to launch this thing out and and well, I love that. I think the I think what happens is you eventually get the ability to launch the gnome out, and he grabs onto things. <laughs> right, he's sitting there at the end of your scarf anyway, knitting onto it. So, yeah, like he's at one wonder, end of the scarf. The, whether well, it's well, well, whether it's the yeah, internal okay. scarf or whether it's the external scarf, scarf, he's still he's still knitting a end. He's knitting, knitting an end. Um, but yeah, no, I like the idea that you throw him out and he just grabs onto, grabs onto something and lets you swing across. It gives a little like, oh, sound as he takes your weight of a giant yeah, and, fucking and then orange he cat. lets go and, and you can sort of swing him back up into, into the next one. That'd be cool. Well, and that'd be interesting too if, like, again, that sort of risk reward thing. It's like, okay, I can take this swing move with the gnome. But when I get to the other end, he's now on the far end of the scarf. So if I don't like do a wrapping up move, he's the gnome is now vulnerable. Yeah. And and maybe if the gnome gets hit, like you, I think it's maybe one of those things where you can um, you can find him again in the level or something. But while you don't have him, your health doesn't regenerate, right? Your scarf doesn't regenerate. Oh, jeez, that's scary. There are a lot of mechanics in that. I like there are that a lot. Uh, and you know what? It's about time Bubsy came back. Actually, I just read that there's a new one coming out this year, so. (laughs) Read it one quick. All right. Swear. Jam. Swear Swear jam. Um. I... Every time I think swearing, I keep on going back to Random the Clown from um, from Thimbleweed Park. Thimbleweed Park, yep. So, I kind of like the idea that it's, like, his next adventure. Oh, okay. So, it's literally Random the, cl- random the Clown. Yep. Uh, after the 
end of Thimbleweed Park. Which we're not going <laughs> to give away, but eh, there could be something there. <laughs> well, maybe it's a prequel. <laughs> what's what's jam? What's jam got to do? Got to do with it? Um, that's like the MacGuffin. This is just the jam. Yep. Uh, so random the clown wants jam. That's the name of the game. Random the clown wants jam, and that sets up the whole adventure. Yep. All right. So what does he? What happens in it? How does he get the jam? What sort of jam does he want? Um, or is or is it not actual jam? Maybe he's in a jam. Maybe he wants to jam in a band. <laughs> Maybe he wants to go to a game jam. <laughs> yeah, Maybe this know. is just a game jam idea where everyone has to make a game starring Random the Clown. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. Really All right, switch one click. Sometimes... Sometimes it just doesn't work out. Yeah. Cold. Converter. A cold converter. Uh, oh. That reminded me that I had my fucking uh, air conditioning on, so hopefully there's not too much buzz in the background of the first 20 minutes of this podcast. You just have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cold converter. So, when, when you said cold, I immediately went to fusion. Okay. So, I started thinking cold fusion and then yep. converter. Converting. Yeah, y- that makes sense. You're converting sense. the cold fusion en- energy into into something. Into useful. electricity. Yep. So, I like the idea that these scientists have, have come across, like, the the holy grail of, of like, uh, nuclear energy. physics or whatever it is. Production, or, yep. Yep. <clears throat> um, where they managed to get cold fusion happening. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm I'm picturing that you don't play one of the scientists, but you play like a security guard in in the building that that they're um, they're based in. Yeah. Well, let, let's just sort of. So, the interesting thing about something like cold fusion is just like a huge technological leap, sort of far beyond the current tech technology, yep. right? And what that what that does to, to a society. So it doesn't even it doesn't even necessarily have to be related to, the, uh, or at least not initially related to the discovery itself. Maybe this is just a world where all of a sudden we have free energy, and like, what does that mean? Like, what comes out of that? Does it like jumpstart AI technology because all of a sudden we can just like pump as much computing power at something as we want? Does it? You know, does the entire world turn to shit because now nobody cares about conserving anything and we end up on a garbage planet? Hmm. Both. Maybe it's both. Yeah, maybe it's both. <laughs> um, I, I just I just like the idea of, of, like, just after someone figures it out, there's, like, and it- an invasion from like another co- another country who um, has actually been like bugging the bugging the place. So you you're in sort of like a you're just a normal security guard sort of working at this place, and then you know you're now having to having to destroy all these terrorist sort of things. Um, we haven't done yeah. one of those. Well, what this just uh, a first person shooter, a first person <laughs> shooter that has. 
you know, some extra connotations, like... Yeah, like, I, I guess it's just where can we go with that, right? Like, if it's just a security guard shooting terrorists, then it sort of doesn't even matter why, unless we unless we do delve a bit deeper into the repercussions and the story. I kind of like the idea that there will be other, um, like, story points that you're sort of going through, like emails, and you start figuring out that one of the other scientists has actually been leaking all these details to- um to like this other country, which is why they knew when they were getting close to doing it. Hmm. So does so does this new energy source then? I mean, are you thinking first person shooter? Like, or, or like how does how does the energy source then affect the gameplay? Is it the weapons that you can get a hold of? Do you sort of have to start, um, like rigging together weapons that? utilize this technology in some way like yeah, maybe I- the may- maybe it could be around that maybe you like come across an engineer who was working on it and and she starts like building these new weapons for you like originally it was just supposed to be for energy production and they were going to save the world but now it's like well we can't let it get into the hands of these terrorists so we'll build weapons out of it to stop them because otherwise they're going to build weapons out of it but the crazy thing is, she's already saying to to build weapons within two hours of, of this technology being discovered. And within yeah, an hour and fine. a half of- No, but what I like about that is um, you can start having questions as to how come she, she knows so much about this power and how come she, you know, she's already well, I mean, able I to make, she was, make I think the she weapons was working, harnessing I think this. She, I think she was working on the project, so she understands enough about it. To, um, to be able to engineer into things. Um, but yeah, I feel like that could at least create an interesting dynamic, like both between you and the engineer and give you opportunities for as you go along. Mm. You know, she's really starting to get a hang of it. And so she starts being able to build more and more powerful weapons. Um, I like the idea of having a scene. Where, because she's still getting the hang of it, she actually built a weapon that's too powerful. Um, and you just, like, nearly die from this, you know, fucking cold you, fusion you, grenade that she you invented. You fire it out, and it's like, it's one of the BFG sort of weapons. And, yes, it obliterates everyone in front of you, but it nearly obliter- obliterates you as well, and you lose some fingers in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like- totally. Yeah. And then for the, rest- for the rest of the game, you've only got three fingers in one hand. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I like yeah, that. I, I, I do like the idea of yeah of, of harnessing like that that the, the storyline comes from then harnessing this technology in a way that it wasn't intended to be, but that is now sort of becoming necessary and doing a bit of like guerrilla warfare and stuff then too. Um, yeah, where you're sort of then she's building traps and she's building like or you're utilizing other things to sort of sneakily take out these uh, these opposing forces. Oh, what you could actually have and is basically you've got sort of like her engineering lab is, is like your base of operations. And it's just this big sort of, um, lab sort of complex. System, yeah. Complex that you, you sort of, you, you venture out and you, you clear and, and blockade like to a certain point. And then, okay, this is your area of attack. And right. Then you get so you're to- sort of taking over territory. Taking over territory, uh, but at any time, 
that you're out there, you know, you you can sort of arm some other people within within the area, like mm. you find some other ga- guards and stuff. But at any any time, one of your other areas could be attacked by could by be under them. attack. Yeah, that could be cool. So put a bit more of sort of procedural stuff in there, or, or yeah. like systems based stuff where, yeah, as you go. You're unlocking new sections, and maybe each of these new sections. So maybe it's a bit of a kind of um, like those zombie games where you know, oh, you unlock this area, so now you've got these resources to to take on more engineers or something, or, or like XCOM kind of thing where you're unlocking sections yep. of the base by uh, harnessing more power. You can you can power more parts of the lab and that sort of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, exactly, and like have weapons for more people and that sort of thing. Yeah, that'd um, be cool. That'd be a you fun can go aspect to it. You can go scavenge in in like. Um, the courtyard area and that sort of stuff, which is, you know, and then you can maybe do some do some sneaking through vents and and all that sort of stuff, real guerrilla warfare or sneaking behind well, lines c- and and taking out. Yeah, you know- well, that could be cool. Again, it could be cool if it's a bit more open world ish in a way, where, um, or even I guess a bit Deus Ex kind of thing, where you've got different ways that you could take out these different sections that the terrorists have taken over. Mm. Um, so it's like, all right, you can, because you've, you know, because you've fought your way through this one, you've actually got access to a vent, which means for this other section of the, of the lab, uh, if you want, you can go the back way and do it in a sneaky way versus going in the front with more weaponry or that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. That'd yeah. be really cool. This um, is really cool. And so when you fight them all off, <laughs> Yeah. Is the challenge is the challenge now to not let the government notice that or realize that you've now weaponized this really powerful uh, technology? Um, well, or I, is think, it just I think en- that can end in nuclear end in cold nuclear war, cold fusion. Yeah, I'm sort of thinking that if you if you die in it, then yeah, you get the bad ending of of the terrorists take it over, and then they're. And they're able to use this. Oh no, I'm thinking about your. I'm thinking about your own government. Oh yeah, but I'm talking about the bad condition of. Okay, right. Of you know the terrorists take it. They they um kidnap the um the engineer, which is what they were really there for as well, because she's really mm-hmm. heavily involved in this, and she she gets forced to make all these weapons that just steamroll through the um the Western world, and basically they become yeah. the new world order, world domination. But then. What happens if you if you win is people in the United States or wherever this is sort of end up doing something similar on the other side, and it's like, well, you know, is is there I love, a way? That I love you can- that idea. Actually, I love that idea that the bad ending and the good ending are basically the same. It's just whether it's their country or your country who mm. wipes out the rest of the world and dominates. Um, then there's an indifferent one um, in which. Yeah, you know, sort of like is that the, where you destroy the technology in some way? Yeah, you destroy the technology in some way, slash murder the engineer. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> well, maybe she can sacrifice herself or something. Yeah, and you think that saving her is is like the best thing to do, but yeah, letting yeah, her yeah. die early on in the game, um, you know, takes it a totally different way. Oh, wait, like- early, how early on? So, is there a version of the game where she can dive right at the beginning and you ha- and you have to do the rest of the game with none of the cold fusion technology? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's just I th- like I the single, single pistol run or something. It's sort of like one of the first things is, is um, kind of like in 
uh, how Far Cry do it occasionally where you can just basically finish the game really, really quickly if you do a certain sequence of things. Well, yeah. This sets up a totally different way of, of running through the game. Basically, you've got no, no tech other than, other than what, what you've got like in re- the um, real world. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that you can scavenge from them and. So it becomes yeah, that'd, be, a to- that'd be cool. But that's like I, the I like that as almost a new game plus in a way. I mean, I don't know if you if anything carries over, so that sort of makes it just an alternate way of going through the through the game. But you just you'd have to make make it not too easy because you don't want people to think that that's the whole game because they accidentally got her killed early on. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it'd be something that you've got to sort of go out of your way to to make yeah. sure that she actually does die. I think. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to do something specific and, yeah. yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's cool. So, like, that's pick cool. her up and then, you know, um, you if, if you if you turn around three times and then you, <laughs> you can shove her no, off again. Well, I, I, th- <laughs> I think it should be story-based. Like, I think it should be a choice that you get to make at some point. Like, almost like in, like the, in that one Wolfenstein game- where at the beginning you get to choose who dies and that, like, affects things throughout the whole next two games, basically. Yeah. Um, that you can choose to let her die. And I don't know if you, like, literally put a meta warning of, if you do this, you will, like, this is the hard mode, basically. You know, this is for advanced gamers only and you will not have access to any <laughs> any advanced technology or something. But... um. But yeah, that it's more of a story-based thing. Yeah, you yeah. you just you make her really endearing to people, and and you know they really want to save her and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, well, we don't want to fridge her in the main story. <laughs> I think I think the main story is you know obviously with her as a companion and, and a character and yeah. and helping you out along the way. Um, but it would be interesting to to set up a version where, well, maybe it's an, maybe an even. Maybe rather than killing her, maybe at the beginning she's really unsure because she doesn't want our government to get hold of it either. Maybe she defects. Maybe that's the alternate hard version. And then all the bad guys, all the bad guys, <laughs> all the guys that you're fighting have the have the technology that otherwise you would have had. So then, you know, it it sort of starts off that she's the person that. Ever- Everyone sort of really likes in the game, but if you berate her a few times during this time, then she basically knocks you unconscious and, and runs away. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it could be just a really interesting. I think it's even just through discussions with her. Maybe there's some like dialogue trees and stuff early on where, you know, and, and I think it's fairly. I think, again, you want the main path to be that she's with you because that's actually the main chunk of the game. Yeah. But. Yeah, again, if you do a very specific set of of dialogue choices where it's made very clear that you're sort of pushing her away or trying to convince her that that she should go to the other side, then she does and it affects the game for the rest of the, yeah, the rest of the game. Yeah. And I think you're still obviously then taking over parts of the base and 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 hire, like bringing on other people that you find to defend certain areas and stuff it's just literally the the level of technology and the types of weapons you you have access to three two one quick yep disorder domain domain disorder i 
I can't think of anything but like the internet and domain names. <laughs> That's not interesting. <laughs> domain, a taxonomic subdivision larger than a kingdom. Okay, so I'm I'm picturing that it's in like a fantasy land. All right. Uh, what was your word? Sorry. Uh it was disorder. Disorder. Okay. So I'm picturing in this like fantasy land, you're. I'm just wondering whether whether you're playing like this um, domains like wizard or fighter or or knight or something like that, mm-hmm. and you're having to you're having to deal with like um, disorder that's happening that's happening within within the domain. So it sort of starts okay, off so as a, as a typical sort of. Sort of Yep. She's some sort of peacekeeper in a fantasy world yeah. in this kingdom. Domain. <laughs> larger, well, yeah. than, larger than a kingdom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whatever. We just use it as area of land. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's fine. Uh, so, you you need to take care of your domain mm-hmm. in some way. What's the, What sort of gameplay are we thinking is this? I guess where's the disorder coming from? Is it is it that you're like you're brought into this domain to clean things up because things have just got totally out of hand? There's like a revolution going on or something. Yeah, I I think maybe the previous peacekeeper was corrupt, and so you've been brought in to to sort of um, clean up the streets, clean up the streets. Um, but in the streets, you've got like this rebel band of magic users that are like burning down shops and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> all right, all right. I like I like the idea that this is a police procedural sort of thing, but yep. in a fantasy land. Yeah. Um, um so uh, you literally I- like you've you've got your beat and you have you know if you see someone setting off illegal magic then you go like chase them down. Do you think uh, so are you magic yourself or it might be more interesting if I I Kind of like the idea that you're not. Um, yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. All you've got is your trusty sword, and um, yeah. So you're a knight or something. You're a fighter. Um, but I, I, I like, like the, the idea I- of like bike clubs or mafia sort of things being ma- ma- being magic users. So they're like they're yeah they're roughing up shopkeepers and threatening to burn them down unless they pay them protection. Totally, money. totally. I mean, they're they're more powerful, right? They've got the power and they're using it for. Uh, you know, to to intimidate people, so it's organized crime, and it's all the fucking wizards. Yeah, and warlocks. Like, and they're also like magic, the the motorcycle gangs on their on their magic stuff. magic carpet. You know, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> they're all sort of flying down the street. You just see a gang of them coming down the street. Yeah, oh just like God. you know, a meter off the ground on their magic carpet. You know, just <laughs> fucking sealing apples jackets. and and you know, just what are you going to do about it? Eat. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So that's that's. I think that sets up the world pretty nicely. Okay. So what's you- the sort of main gist then? Like, what's the sort of main core narrative? You and your sidekick. Have to have to you know you get brought into into the town to help clean up things. Yeah. What your sidekick is is basically a rogue, so they can okay. they can sort of they've got 
like thieves tools and that sort of stuff that they can they can break in and you're sort of you you're running sort of uh again you do things not necessarily the the best way that you buy the book by the book yeah so it's like oh probable cause i saw some fire in there it's obviously a magic user break yeah. in little rogue buddy and it's just like there's a candle inside but <laughs> and you knew you knew it was a candle yeah but probable but you- cause oh oh we're here oh this is a this is an unregistered spell book. <laughs> um, I've just been being able to you know sort of um, discuss different different sort of um, murders and you know even even people being thieved and all this sort of stuff. Well, and there's got to be like drug trade, right? Yeah, of magical drugs of some sort. Yeah, potions. Um- Tinctures, yeah, drug, drugs, you know, hallucinogens and all that Bombs. sort of stuff. Bombs, rub this on your eyelids and yep. uh, blink seven times, and you'll <laughs> you'll be transported to a, a wonderful psychedelic place. Uh, and of course, in this world, that means literally transported. They disappear, <laughs> and uh, they may or may not come back. It depends if the uh, if if the LSD worms get them or not. So. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm liking the idea of this police procedural. Um, you know, having to go and deal with all these different different things, just being able to do some beat sort of stuff, and yeah. maybe chase down chase down some magic carpet users and this sort of stuff. But the overarching story could be, you know, the the actual leader of the um of these magic of users the- and yeah. this mafia that you're sort of going after is like the Grand Vizier. You know, he's like the yeah. um. He's sort of helping you in, in the start, sort of like a um, Bioshock One, you know, Atlas being being sort of like the good guy that turns out to be not necessarily the. Oh, the best you see, sort of so guy. he's actually in a position of of power in the government, as it were. In the, yeah, in, in but the he's monarchy. sort of he's brought you in to to try and fix this up, but he's brought you in because really, in your last town, you were incompetent and and you um, you know, just. Made things easier okay. for, for people to run right, and so maybe it's the fact that you you and your partner like this can be a real buddy cop thing where it's sort of being put together with your partner. You end up making a really good team. Yeah. Um. Part- and I don't think I don't think the main character was necessarily incompetent. I think there were. I think the Grand Vizier thinks that they were incompetent. Yeah. But it's just there were sort of circumstances in their last town that. So that everyone was against them and, and they couldn't get anything done. Yeah. And then, yeah, being brought here, they don't have that that same sort of um, things keep sending them back. And then also when teaming up with this rogue, they just happen to make this really effective team and start cleaning everything up when they really weren't supposed to. So I like this idea that this area consists of, like, the main, um, the main like, plaza, which has all your all your- sort of uh, stalls and that sort of stuff. And there's a bit of, mm-hmm. a bit of crime happening there. Then you've got like the, um, the outskirts of the town where there's, um, it's pretty much where beggars are lining the streets and that sort of stuff. But you've also got like houses. Then it sort of goes out into like fields where you got farms and stuff. Yeah. But then you've, 
the further out that you go, there's also sort of like I'm picturing caves and that sort of a cave system sort of out so there. So is this like is this like open world like GTA style? Uh, well, open world like Skyrim style. I'm thinking, um, like that sort of. Well, I guess I'll. I mean, either way. I, I mean, yeah. I was thinking GTA style, just in the way that uh, GTA games and and like Red Dead Redemption Two and stuff make it. They're really good at making it feel like the world's alive yeah. and that there's stuff going on all the time. Uh so I I quite like the idea of yeah of of being this fucking night cop. Night cop. Night cop. <laughs> being this being this night rider in this town <laughs> with your sidekick kit. Um, um but what what I like about it is that um your rogue buddy just ri- rides on your back piggyback style the whole time and that's why it's night rider. <laughs> <laughs> um so so, so I think, maybe I think I think your buddy should be called Kit. No, I was I, thinking I'm that actually the thinking ma- the knight should be called Kit because you know the buddy's riding knight. Oh so God, maybe. If- All right. I I was thinking that the that the knight should be a woman, but Kit works for a woman. Yeah. And then the the rogue is I'm Michael, thinking like Michael? a goblin or a- Michael Nutt. <laughs> yeah, I think some sort of I think some sort of small creature or a halfling. Um, <laughs> yeah, halfling rogue. A halfling rogue. Sure. I, I don't think they're always on the back- <laughs> on the back, but I think in a pinch, if you if you start running or something, they like jump on your back. It's kind of like um, in God of War, where your boy will will climb on your back when you, you climb on things when it's appropriate. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, but I like I like that idea of it being sort of an open worldish sort of thing. Um, to to there's shift like story to sh- missions. There's um, there's like random encounters that that can sort of happen. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is I I'd like to move it away though from the traditional GTA and even Skyrim method of oh, like to start the next story mission. You know, find this spot on your map. I'd like to. I'd like it if you could come up with a way where it sort of happens more naturally and you kind of get pulled into a story mission. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like the idea that it's it's sort of like when the next story mission is ready to happen, someone will come find you sort of thing. Like, you could be out doing yeah, some Yeah, or doing even, some like, depending on the mission, it, it could be- if it could be dynamic enough that it's like a fucking um, horde of, you know, a, 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 a gang of- Wizard Bikers goes past and there's another couple of knights behind them and they're just like, fucking, come on, we need backup. And that's actually the start of the next mission. And that's actually the start of the next mission. And I guess technically you could ignore it. And if you do, it just happens again later. Or maybe like each mission could even have just a few different ways that it could kind of draw you into it. Yeah. Uh, But I I like that being a bit more in the world. If you didn't actually go along with the knights- um, you you meet up with like one or two of the knights that were in that fight later on, and they go, "Oh, you know, there's something bad happening in in this area." Yeah, yeah, reckon, they got away. Reckon and you, you can, should um, like you can maybe seek it out then. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm liking the idea that the world sort of continues on, and if you're not in an area when something's happening, then uh, I mean, you it may depend. hear like- about it from other people. It'd, it'd depend how important a story mission it was. Like, I think you could have sort of 
uh, optional story missions like that where it was just, well, you didn't take the bait the couple of times that we put it in front of you, so now it's just something that happened without you. Uh, but this, obviously the main story missions- These three stalls burnt down because you didn't take care of that arsonist, like, back yeah. when you could have, like- um, you let him. You let him go past, even though you know he was talking about setting fire to these <laughs> these three stalls, including yeah, exactly. the exactly. Um- and look, I know you were busy like killing rabbits for that fetch quest, but <laughs> <laughs> just the idea that there's so many things that going on, like any time that you go back to to see what's actually going on, you know, there's people putting requests in, like. There's well, that's been it. This, I think this yeah. crime, this crime, this crime, and you've always got something that you that you could yeah, be looking I th- into. I think you've got basically your like precinct um, that you can go to, and like you've got the big stables, and it's this huge building, and they've got like pigeons coming in all the time with crime reports. But also, <laughs> what I love is that the, like, the grand like vizier riders. is like part and parcel of of this thing. So anytime that you know you haven't been doing something. He'll appear, you know, just a floating head in front of you and tell you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Tell you, yeah. you need to come back to come back and do some paperwork or. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be good. That could be a fill, good way. Fill out some to, parchments. Like, <laughs> that could be definitely be a good way to sort of get the character back on track. I feel like you're, you're, getting, te- you're getting behind you're, on your parchments. <laughs> on, you're getting behind on your TPS pass parchments. Okay. <laughs> You're going to have to come in on Saturday. All right. <laughs> Three, two, one, click. I like that one a lot. Oh, I love it. I love that one a lot. Q. Cloud. Oh, cloud Q. Q of clouds. Is it Q as in with a Q? Or is it Q as yes. in C-U-E? No. Q-U-E-U-E. Uh, so, a line of some sort. So, I was kind of thinking about either- Do, do you know that- um, I think it's a Pixar short where there's, like, the cloud that build- They, they like, make the babies and give them to the storks. Yep. Um, I was kind of wondering if it could be something like that. Maybe not with necessarily anthropomorphic clouds like that building the babies, but something to do with storks delivering babies. And they have to, like- Maybe the clouds are where they're made. Maybe there's, like, a baby- well, I mean, kind of like the movie stalks as well. There's like a baby factory up in the clouds, and and that's where they get the babies to deliver to mm-hmm. people. I'd I'd be interested. <laughs> I'd be interested in, de- in in developing the lore around if stalks deliver babies. What is happening in the uterus of the mother that she's still like? For nine months, grows bigger and bigger until the baby comes to the door. Until the stork comes to the door with the baby, she just deflates as the st- <laughs> as the stork gets there. Like it's some sort of signal thing. It's like the woman is filling up with a certain type of gas that she's just Jesus she's constantly Christ. she's constantly letting it out, and that's like signaling to the stalks. <laughs> That a baby is going to be required. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that they've got teleportation technology that can basically, 
you know, teleport the baby into the stomach, so they're still going to give birth. They still have to give birth, but the stork, like, knocks on the door, is like, here's your baby. Now it's in you. <laughs> what was in now me push before? it out. <laughs> this, well, you know. This air cushion. Cl- cl- <laughs> ba- baby dust. Baby gas. <laughs> um, it's actually not the stork. <laughs> They're just being, yeah, what, been what actually happens is human women. Time. What actually happens is human women give birth to storks, <laughs> and in return, they get a human baby from the stork population, <laughs> who have a machine that builds them out of cloud out of clouds. Uh, um, so all all humans are actually cloud <laughs> descendants. Yeah, all humans are actually cloud babies, and anytime you see a pregnant woman, there's a bird in her. <laughs> So, what's the game play? <laughs> um, is it just like a simple arcade game where you're a stork trying to dodge things to get a baby there? But somehow there's this like weird backstory that makes its way out. I don't know. I can't. I kind of like the. Um, um, what's in my head at the moment is that um, untitled Burb game uh, from uh-huh, from Game Jam. Right. Um, seeing seeing the bird fly. I'm picturing in the outback. Basically, mm-hmm. a stork comes down and um, has like the package, and sort of lost and has to sort of um, has to talk to different animals to try and work out where where the hell it is to to try and get to the location. And have you seen a, a large woman leaking baby gas? <laughs> With a squawking stomach, she went that away. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm liking this idea of this like open world adventure that you know you it's it's more about getting getting the baby to the um to the place, but it's sort of relaxing as you go as well. Like it's not okay. So it's, it's more not about necessarily the, um, a- more about the journey. Mm. And the friends that it, that the bird makes along the way. Oh, that could be interesting. Just kind of more of a chill vibe. Yeah. Um, just soaring over interesting scenery. Whoops! Drop the baby. Better catch. <laughs> well, you know, having having different conversations. But if you try to talk in midair, then you know the baby's going to fall out <laughs> of the beak. <laughs> Well, I wonder if there's sort of some survival, some sort of survival-ish aspects where, like, you have to you have to come down and get food or water, or and that's also when you kind of run into people at the different stops. Hmm. Maybe it's a bit of a procedurally generated, like roguelike journey across a large, you know, multiple biomes, randomly generated. Yeah, uh, the reason why I like the the outback is just the um, you know, you could have um, little canyons and that sort of stuff that you can sort of go through and follow along, like a river in the desert sort of thing. That oh yeah, there's definitely good scenery. You could do that. I mean, yeah, you could make the whole thing in the back in the outback. There's certainly enough um, land out there to to have a long journey or a game's worth of a journey. Yeah. Um, but again, so maybe it is that you see like, oh, there's a little cluster of trees down there. Like maybe I can find some food 
Or, yeah, there's a river snaking through. And you find other animals, like, feeding and drinking there. Talk to them, find your way. Yep. Yeah, and it's could be cool. just- I do like the idea of just having to navigate via landmarks. So, they're like, yeah, just- Okay, you see that, like, tall mountain over that way? Right way in the distance. Just head towards that until you hit, you know, the- this fork in this river or something. And, and then when you hit hit that- Go directly in between the two the two forks of the river, like fly along. Yeah, the- just head straight so that you, you know keep keep the two sides of the river in on even you know even distance from you for you know until you get to this spot. And I think if you get lost, you know again you can just kind of algorithmically if you come down, like they'll give you new directions to get you back on track um, based on other landmarks and stuff. That could yeah. be really interesting. Yeah. Chill game, flying. Yeah. With the outback. Through John Flick. Alright. Carbon. Believing. Believing in carbon. Um Okay. Actually what this made me think of was like charcoal and like charcoal drawings of some kind. Um whether that's like the art style or whether it's something about, well, I mean, really what believing, believing made me think of some sort of like bringing charcoal drawings to life or something, but I, I don't necessarily know if that's the direction we want to go. But yeah, just like, I like the aesthetic of, you know, brushed charcoal drawings. Whereas for some reason, my mind went to an alien world okay. in which it's all silicon based life. Mm-hmm. And um, on their periodic table, mm-hmm. carbon doesn't exist. They haven't- they somehow haven't discovered carbon. Yeah, it doesn't actually exist on their planet. Like, basically, I think what carbon's- um, what- how many sort of uh, atoms? So it's- that- um, it's- because uh, it's- it's not eight, is it? Isn't that oxygen? That's oxygen, I think. Um, I keep on getting seven in my head, but tw- I don't think that's it. Well, no, because it's got a because it's a stable. Um, it is. Uh, no, that's where is it? Thirteen. Six. No, what? No, thirteen's oh, aluminium. Six. No. six. Yeah. Okay. So basically, on their periodic table goes five, seven. So, <laughs> and they never thought to fill in the gap. Well, well, they're, they're between like boron and nitrogen. So basically, they got they got people who who say, well, if there's one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, nine onwards, it's like there has to be a six, and it's like we're going to call it carbon. We think that it should exist. It doesn't appear on this planet, and it's all about the um, people don't believe that carbon exists. It's like the carbonists versus the non-carbonists. Yes. So that's that's setting up this area, this this world. Sure. A person from our from our world gets marooned on this on this planet, mm-hmm. and happens to come across a a person who, um, you know who is a carbon believist or carbon yep. believer and yep. they find out hang on this person is actually made of carbon oh my god yep. we're going to get this to the highest 
highest level of government, but then you've got all the all the people who, you know, who want to suppress the idea of it. Yeah, through the fact that you know they believe silicon is life and all this sort of stuff, carbon, you know, cannot exist. Yeah. Um, okay. I kind of like the idea that they they call these things like silly names. Um, you know, so it's not hydrogen or or helium, and they've got all their oxygen. own names for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I, I like that idea. Well, and I like that idea because you could have puzzles then based on how much you've managed to pick up of their replacement terms for the different elements in the periodic table. Yeah. That could be cool. Uh, so, uh, just to be different, I'm kind of picturing this as a bit of a an RPG, like an isometric RPG. Okay, yep. Like a bit of a, um, what's the ty- tides of- Numenera or the recent ones. No, what's the other? A fucking Kickstarter. I can't remember. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That could be interesting. Just doing it a bit differently there and, and really creating these large worlds with, with interesting alien uh, species. And uh, yeah. and then, yeah, as you go through, you're sort of solving puzzles and, and it's a lot of dialogue-based stuff and, and maybe kind of uh, role-playing stuff as you learn about this world and, and your companions who are sort of trying to get you safely to the, uh, the, the, the lead scientists or something to prove that carbon exists. <laughs> I'm picturing that this character is actually in like a space suit the entire time. The whole um, time. Okay. Because, because they can't, they can't breathe the atmosphere because it's not yeah. like nitrogen rich or anything like that. And, you know, he expels carbon dioxide and it, reacts badly with the with the whole thing because obviously they don't expel that because they don't breathe oxygen either. So Well and it's they don't have any carbon, so yeah. it's gonna start reacting with things. And causing lots of lots of issues. Um, I like the idea of because I think obviously they don't have fire are- either. Like their whole thing comes from like a Yeah, I guess would I don't know, would silicon based stuff burn? I don't, know, I don't know enough about fucking biochemistry. Um, but what I was thinking is because I think, like, astronomically, it would be quite, like, impossible to find a planet naturally that um, that had no carbon. Uh, so, I think you'd have to come up with some sort of, like, maybe they're in the middle of, a um, like, a nebula or something that manages to filter out all the carbon somehow. Yeah. Like, it all, like, whatever this nebula is made of, it bonds with the carbon, which I'm pretty sure carbon is stable, so it wouldn't, but, like, whatever. It's, it strips an electron off the carbon and bonds with it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's so that it just never, has never made it through to this solar system. Uh, just to sort of have a, a conceit as to how this could even happen. Hmm. But, um, but yeah, like, and, and that's actually a good reason why you'd be exploring it as well, right? Like, you've it's never so, been able so to- weird. <laughs> Yeah, you've never been able to see inside this this nebula, this dust cloud, and you finally make your way through and land on this planet and, yeah, find this silicon-based life. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I reckon we've got time for one more. Yeah. Jolly. Hut. Hut? H-U-T? Yes. The Jolly Hut. I like the idea of that being a name of a place. This whole game is set around the Jolly Hut. Yep. Maybe it's a 
A restaurant? It, it's, or, no, no, it's that no. place in the woods where all those murders were committed. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go to the Jolly Hut. You'll never come back. Nobody ever comes back from the Jolly Hut. Um, so I'm imagining it's it's actually called the Jolly Hut because it was owned by this by this guy by the name of Paul Jolly, um, <laughs> and he was a he was a mass murderer who who killed all these people at this hut. What actually happens is... So maybe you're a reporter, like, visiting the town or something? It's it's a reporter sort of um, being told being told about, oh, yeah, yeah, never go out to the Jolly Hut in the, in the middle of the night. Like, it's... Yeah. I like the idea of... It's a bit of a trope, but I like the idea of a reporter, like, they're heading somewhere important for some big story. And they need to stay somewhere and that they just stop off at this small town. Um, but like they start, they, you know, they hear from the person at the motel or whatever, like, oh yeah, but make sure you don't go up to the Jolly Hut, like, you know, or it's like the 10th anniversary of the Jolly Hut killings or something, the Jolly Killings. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and that, and then that just like captures their imagination and they, and they just like, put off this other story and they stay here because they want to investigate this thing because they've never heard of it before and it's really, you know, and-, and Yeah. Yeah. And it goes from there and it's all about kind of starting to learn about this town and obviously eventually unraveling the mystery around it. And yeah. I, that could I, be really cool. I always really like, like, mysteries in which someone comes into it not knowing anything and just getting freaked out by- um, some weird acting locals and that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, really it works well. It is, it is tropey, but I feel like it hasn't been done much in games. No, um, not at all. Uh, I feel maybe a little bit of Alan Wake kind of has a bit of that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I feel like it, that works well for games as well. Is like coming in not knowing anything about it. As the gamer, that's the same, you know, same thing. So- you sort of re- relating to the character and finding things out at the same time as they are. Um, so I think you you sort of get um, taken up up there by like a park ranger or something like that in the middle of the day. Yeah, in the middle and, of the day. Yeah, and you get to get to look around it a bit, and you sort of it's now appearing on your map that you can sort of go between the locations, and you can mm-hmm. go ask questions of of different people. Like there's um, the one victim who got away, and and all this sort of stuff. So you can, and they're in maybe the mental asylum or something like that, that you, you've got to sort of work out how to get in, in touch with these people. And, um, the more stuff that you find out about it, the more questions you can actually ask and, and sort of just go down, down like a investigative, investigative journalist sort of route. Hmm. But then. So you think thinking kind of point and clicky? Yeah, kind of point and clicky, but. Almost FMV like as well. Like I'm, I'm liking the idea of it being sort of more realistic, mm-hmm. like photorealistic graphics. Not much um, happening. Like I'm, I'm picturing the uh, like the first time CD-ROMs ever came out. Like <laughs> they all went for these really dodgy FMV games, and yeah, um, this yeah. just feels like the the perfect FMV. Um, could even be like a, a version of Phantasmagoria sort of thing. Mm. So you're thinking, yeah, okay. I mean, you could go FMV. 
or you could just make it one of these kind of realistic style, almost uh, almost just an interactive movie, like interactive story in in a way where there are a few branching narratives, but it's mostly kind of just putting the pieces together to find yeah. the next part of the story. Um, you know, relatively simple adventure gaming stuff. Um, yeah, to sort of move move the story forward. Um, I. I don't think this should be inventory puzzles. I think it should be more no. clue puzzles. Do- like yeah, like you've dialogue, like you've got your notepad, you got or your, your laptop or something that you can you can basically um, highlight certain things and and make notes of of certain things. Oh, I like that. Like a bit of um, uh, a bit of Orwell or a bit of Papers Please style thing where it's like linking pieces of information yeah. that you found out. Yeah, that'd be cool to have to actually physically figure re- realize oh these things are related and that gives you like a new section in you know in your note- notebook or whatever so so if you if you're going through say the jolly hut and you have a look at the fireplace and you see like a, a poker that's um a bit um you know dirty and that sort of stuff but you see one with blood on it you can mm. you can sort of make a note in your notepad that ooh, well i like I- the idea that maybe you have to take photos as well like, yeah. do you really have to get into the habit of taking photos of anything interesting? And if it's something, then, like, automatically the game will, like, put a note on it, you know, to say, like, oh, yeah, bloody poker with, with, uh, in, in the Jolly Hut. The time um, the photo was taken, this sort of thing. The blood looks fresh. That sort of stuff. Yeah, maybe. Like, or, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Give you a bit of hint. Um, well, and I, I kind of like the idea of time-based events then too, where like you take a photo of that, but then you come back later and it's gone, um, or you find it somewhere else or something. It's like so you at least know someone else has been there in yep. you know between the times that you took these two photos. Then you've got that documented, uh, and having to use that as a as a clue. What do you think about this idea of um, this whole community is actually on, like, an island? So, you've- Okay. You've basically got this entire island that it consists of, like, this this town, a lighthouse on one side, in the middle of, like, in the middle of these woods, and the- there's, like, this one hut, and then there's, like, this um, sort of public- sort of national park or something like that. Mm-hmm. But basically you anywhere um within this whole this whole island you can sort of go round. But the reason why you're being brought to the island is because um the only way to get to this place that you're trying to get to is like this ferry that only leaves from this island. So the reason why you why you went you went to this island is because there's another ferry that leads on to the place that you were trying to get to originally. But it's okay, the only so place that via, actually- Like, you have to go via this island. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then, you know, while you're there, you, you hear these stories about the Jolly Hut and, and something that happened many years ago. Yeah. And it's it's coming up on the, um on the you know, 10th anniversary. And yeah, I, I just- Yeah. It, it's bringing up all, the, all these ideas as to, you know, you can go talk to the- um go talk to the ranger you can go talk to the lighthouse keeper and find out what you know maybe his his son was involved in in this somehow and you know um raise the alarm about you know who it was actually doing these murders and 
yeah, you can just learn some more stuff from the locals. Yeah, I know. I think there's a, I think there's a lot, lot there, and I do like the idea of kind of leaning into some of those tropes. Um, but you know, th- something that hasn't been done in games that often, yeah. and, and and utilizing them a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. That is. All right. Well, I think we will finish it up there for this episode uh-huh. of Bitstorm. Uh, if you want to find us online, the best place to go is podchaser.com slash Bitstorm. You can get to all of our links in our YouTube channel and iTunes and all the other all the other stuff. Our, our creative pages are on there so you can see shows that we've guested on. It's a fantastic service built by a very handsome man. Yeah, well, Ryan is pretty <laughs> handsome. <laughs> yeah, who else would um, So, we'd like to thank and plug all the friend, all our friends at the AGP and the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network. Uh, search for hashtag AGPN or AGP Network on Twitter. Or search for the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook. Yeah, and finally, some very we- cool stuff coming from AGPN soon. Oh yeah, very yeah, happy to be involved with. We're yeah. we're we're privy to some stuff that's coming. Stay tuned to the yeah. podcast channel. Um, I'd like to finally thank Kuradust, our band, for the song "Mount Defiance" off of the album "Containment Failure," for graciously allowing us to use it every <laughs> single week. That's it. So, thank you again for joining us this week on a Bitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. And I'm off to the Jolly Hut. Don't get murdered. <laughs>